reading from a, what we call a complicated book today, Revelation, but I like where it says, blessed is the one who reads this. So I'm starting from 1, verse 1 to 9. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, which must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of his prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace come to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve him and God the Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God. So this is uh, introduction to the New Testament. We're going to cover the whole New Testament today. You will know how all the books fit together in the New Testament, 27 books. And uh, you should not learn anything today. You should know everything I tell you. Okay? This, is, uh, this should be common knowledge for every Christian, um, so you should have just a good idea of what we're talking about today. If you go to the next slide there, Lynn. So, your Bible is divided into two parts. There is an Old Testament and a New Testament. And uh, the Old Testament has 37, 39 books, and the New Testament has 27. And uh, the Old Testament is about two-thirds to three-quarters of the material, and uh, the New Testament about one-quarter to one-third of the material that you have in your Bible. Okay, all 66 books. Today I want to talk about uh, those 27 books that are comprised of the New Testament. When you open up your index to your Bible, you will see in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the way through the book of Revelation. And they are arranged logically. They are not arranged chronologically. They are not arranged according to uh, theology. They are arranged in a logical manner. Here you have the logical manner on the slide in front of you. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four Gospels. And those four Gospels tell the story of Jesus. Basically, though, they speak of the ministry of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. So it, they concentrate on about three years of his life. We know very little about uh, 
very little about his childhood. We know very little about his teenage years. And we know nothing about his 20s. Uh, we see him come on the scene, and most of the material we have is from his 30s when he begins his ministry after being baptized by John, following the preaching of John the Baptist. And we have about three years of his ministry, followed by one week of his passion. And that one week is about one quarter to one third of the gospel material. They're telling you that's what's most important, just by the amount of content. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different writers writing their own perspectives, different slants, different theologies, and different ideas about Jesus. You will see that most of their ideas overlap. However, they do bring out some different things. That's why they four of them are writing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You then have, on the slide it calls it history, the book of Acts is actually Luke part two. So Luke writes two books, and he writes to someone by the name of Theophilus. And I'm sorry Floyd's not here today. Floyd's middle name is Theophilus. And he's the only person I've ever met with the name of Theophilus. Uh, if you don't believe me, I didn't believe him. I said, you got to show me your driver's license. It says Theophilus. Anyways, Luke writes to Theophilus, and he writes Luke part one, Gospel of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts, the continuing deeds of Jesus Christ through his apostles. And uh, that goes from the year about 33 to the year 63 A.D. So a 30-year time period, that's the book of Acts that largely covers the apostles as they take the gospel out around the world. In your New Testament, you then have 13 letters from the, from the Apostle Paul. We call them epistles or letters, 13 of them. They are arranged basically largest to shortest. That's logical. They're not arranged chronologically, uh, how important they are, but largest to shortest. Uh, for instance, Philemon should go with the book of Colossians. They're written at the same time. Philemon lives in Colossae, and he is an important person in the Colossian church. But those are, those are Paul's 13 letters in green. They're all together in your New Testament. Following the 13 letters of Paul are general epistles, and there are eight of them. They are again arranged largest to shortest. And they put, they put the writers together. Hebrews is sometimes thought to be written by Paul. That's why it's there first. It goes kind of with the Pauline epistles. If they really thought it was Paul, they would have put it in the other epistles because it's a long letter. Uh, they're generally epistles because they are not necessarily addressed to one specific church. And then finally, the book of Revelation. Okay, so that, that is simply the, the logical order of your New Testament. If you go to the next slide. This is what you have on your handout. And uh, I am going to run straight through the New Testament books now. And uh, now, has anybody learned anything yet? 
Uh-oh, somebody learned something. Uh-oh. Okay, so let's start with the four Gospels. Uh, the length of these books is about the length of a scroll. Okay, so one scroll can only be so long before it becomes too unwieldy. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are about the length that you would have in one scroll. So the book of Acts, about that same type of length. So that kind of determines how long, how much material they can write. So they don't want to write necessarily two volumes. That's about as long as one scroll would be. And so uh, that, that kind of determines the length of those books. Um, Matthew presents, G Matthew is an apostle of Jesus. And Mark is a youth during Jesus' days. And early in the church, he's a companion of Paul, Barnabas, and Peter. Luke is a Gentile doctor who travels with Paul on his missionary journeys. John is one of the twelve apostles. The Gospels are mostly narrative, with some parables and teaching or preaching from Jesus. Matthew presents Jesus as the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. He has the most sermons. He emphasizes that Jesus is the King and the Messiah. Mark is the best storyteller of the four. If you just want to have a good read in your Bible, Mark is the best read. Uh, he gives the least room to Jesus' teaching and highlights Jesus' actions. Jesus is the servant. Luke has the most parables, highlights the roles of prayer and the Holy Spirit. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels because they present a similar picture of the life of Jesus Christ. So they see a time of ministry, healing, teaching, preaching, followed by a time of passion. They cover the same kind of material. There are little indicators in each gospel that highlight the importance of Jesus Christ. For instance, in Matthew 1, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream to speak of his unborn son. And he says, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Beautiful verse. Summarizes a whole gospel. Call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. John is written last. He highlights the deity of Jesus Christ. He also crystallizes the response to Jesus as belief in Jesus. He highlights different and more personal encounters in his gospel. He tells us why he writes his gospel. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. On your little page, you see where the gospels are probably written. Mark 55 to 65. Now, by the way, I did not do this. I took it off the Internet. I was going to make up my own, and I thought, this is pretty good. Why would I make up my own? I'll just steal that. That's called research. Uh, Mark, he has 55 to 65. I would probably date it 60 through 65. That's Mark. Matthew, 60 through 65. I would probably date it 60 to 70. Luke, also 60 to 70. And the book of Acts, also 60 to 70. You kind of have an indicator where Luke has to be written because he's got Paul in prison at the end of Acts 
and that's going to be about 63, 64 A.D. So you know it's got to be written after that time period. That's the book of Acts. And you'll notice John is off by himself there around 85 to 90 A.D. Probably any time after 75, John writes. So that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew and Luke are familiar with Mark. Uh, scholars think that because they can tell places where Matthew and Luke differ from Mark, and yet they agree with Mark's chronology usually. Um, so that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are not the New first New Testament books written. Um, the book of Acts, we've talked about the book of Acts. The major theme of the book of Acts is the trace of the gospel and its reception from Jerusalem, spreading from there eventually to Rome. The major characters are Peter and Paul, along with many minor parts for other apostles and new believers. Acts 1.8 is a great book that kind of, great verse that summarizes the book. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it kind of discusses that as it goes through the book. Paul's letters or epistle, 13 books. Um, here's the way I remember it. After his first missionary journey, he writes how many books? One book. What is it? Now remember I said everyone knows this information. After his first journey, he writes Galatians. Okay? Around 50 A.D. 49, 50. After his second journey, he writes how many books? Two. First and second Thessalonians. After his third journey, he writes how many books? Three. They are... Romans and First and Second Corinthians. His fourth journey is his prison journey. How many books does he write? Four. <laughs> okay, four prison, four prison epistles: Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. After that, there are three more: First and Second Timothy, Titus. First Timothy and Titus, he writes while he's free. Second Timothy, he writes while he's in prison waiting to be killed. Um, James, Paul, and Peter all are martyred in the 60s. So that's why they have to get their stuff written, because they're going to die. And it's because of the spread of the church they begin to write. When you first read about what happens after Jesus Christ ascends, they don't write things down because they go and tell people. And so if new believers pop up in Samaria, what they do is John and Peter go and talk to them. And when new, new believers are in Damascus, what do they do? They send Barnabas, who knew Jesus Christ before he was crucified. They send Barnabas to go and see what's going on. But eventually what happens is the church is too far spread. You can't just send people out there to tell them about Jesus anymore. Now you have to send letters and you have to write things down. That's why we have our New Testament. Um, Paul writes nine letters to churches. Galatians, Rome, Corinth, Thessalonica, Colossae, Ephesus, and Philippi. 
The other four are written to individuals. Timothy and Titus are young pastors. Here are three books written to young pastors about how to do ministry in the church. Philemon is about a runaway slave who has become a Christian after meeting Paul. And Paul is now sending him back to his master because that's what you do when you're a Christian. You make good on your debts. And he goes back to his former master, not knowing if his master will free him. Paul asks him to do that, to be kind to him and to accept him as a brother. Paul's magnum opus is Romans. It's an advanced theological treatise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you can understand Romans, that's about as deep as it gets in Christianity. That, 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 really, is, uh, that really is Paul trying to put what the gospel is all about and what justification by faith is all about. The paragraph from Romans chapter 3 is often called the greatest in the Bible. Here's the paragraph. If you had one paragraph in the Bible, this is the one you'd want to have. Romans 3, 21 through 26. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. We're in rough shape. No hope. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We can all be redeemed. All be redeemed. Doesn't matter how far you've fallen. Redemption is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just, he must punish sin, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He makes people righteous. Finally, not finally, next to last, the general epistles. There are eight books. Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. In the biblical text, the book of Hebrews does not have an author. There is general consensus, it's Pauline. At the end of the book, it says, refers to Timothy as our brother. Much like Paul does. I don't know. Sam, do you think Paul writes Hebrews? Okay, he thinks it's Paul. I think it's Silas. The, the text doesn't tell us, but it does seem to be kind of like the writing of Paul. The oldest manuscript of the epistles of Paul is P46. It's dated 150 to 200. It contains most of his manuscripts, and Hebrews is in it. The book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians who are considering leaving Christianity and re-embracing the Jewish religion. It's too hard to be a Christian. They're being persecuted. So they're thinking about leaving the faith. And so he writes the book of Hebrews to tell them, you can't leave the faith, you'll be lost. Because Jesus is the best. Jesus is better than the priesthood. Jesus' sacrifice is better than the old sacrifices. You cannot afford to leave the faith. It highlights the preeminence of Jesus Christ. 
James and Jude are both written by brothers of Jesus Christ. James is a book of Christian wisdom, wisdom very similar to Proverbs and the Sermon on the Mount. Jude's a small one-chapter book that encourages believers to contend for the faith. James is probably written early, in the 50s, and Jude probably written after 70. 1 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter to Christians in the region of today's north and central Turkey. They're facing persecution, and this is written to help them. Uh, Second Peter is written by Peter to Christians to remain strong in the faith and not to leave the faith. Both of these books are probably written in the 60s. Second Peter refers to the letter of Paul, letters of Paul as scripture. First, second, third John are all probably written by the Apostle John, dated from 80 to 100. All the other apostles have died. The book of 1 John is written so that you may know that you are a Christian. A wonderful book for that. Also very sobering. As you read 1 John and you go, boy, am I a Christian? It's tough. It's tough. It's structured around a number of tests. Tests that have to do to your, with your beliefs and with your behavior to determine if you are a true follower of Christ. Finally, the book of Revelation that John read from earlier. And this book makes a fitting end to the New Testament. It's written last, between 90 and 100. Has an enormous number of quotes, references, and allusions to many other parts of the Old and New Testaments. Presents a picture of the present church. Also shows how all of history will end. It shows the deliverance of the people of God and the judgment of the wicked. It finally gives glimpses of heaven, hell, and the eternal state. Book of Revelation is loved by Christians who are facing persecution and who are being martyred because the book, that is a major theme in the book. In fact, John writes this, I, John, your brother and fellow partner in the tribulation and kingdom and endurance in Jesus, I don't want to be a partner in tribulation. John was a partner in tribulation, kingdom, and endurance in Jesus. was on the island that is called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He writes to seven churches of Asia Minor. And you can read about those churches in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. Revelation 2 and 3. There's a blessing for all who read the book. And John read us that blessing. The most difficult aspect of Revelation is the genre. Genre is the kind of literature that it is. It's not a letter, and it's not narrative. It is, a, it is called apocalyptic genre. That means using symbols, numbers, and images to convey truth. It's very picturesque. It's very memorable and difficult to interpret. Memorable, but difficult to interpret. Well, there, that's the whole New Testament. That's information that every Christian should know. As you pick up your Bible and you see that list of Matthew through Revelation, now you know why it's in that order. It's arranged logically. And you know why it's in that order. Um... Now, this is important because as we tell people about Jesus Christ, 
and they're going to say to you, and you hand them a New Testament, and they're going to ask you, well, what should I read? <laughs> what should I do? Or if you give them a whole Bible, Genesis through Revelation, they're going to say, what should I read? Please give them a little guidance. Otherwise, what tends to happen is they start reading in Genesis, and they're excited. And they get, they get into Exodus, and about the time they start reading about how to construct the tabernacle, they go, this is crazy. <laughs> this is meaningless to me. Um, there are better places to begin to read, and I would suggest people begin to read with the story of Jesus. One of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Eventually, you want to go back and read that Old Testament. That sets up, that sets up the scene. That, that's, what, that's what tells us what the New Testament is about. But it's difficult to start in the Old when the New is written to tell you, here's what Jesus is like. Here's what his ministry was. Here's why he died on the cross. Here's why it's important to you.